the Cyber Security Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to Hackwork. And today we'll talk about a very special topic. It's your God, you're saying this country is completely open to attack. Theoretically, we could be under attack already. Who's doing this? Foreign power, some computer hacker in his garage. We can't trace the virus. We can't pin it down. It's like nothing that we've ever seen before. It keeps growing and changing, and like it has a mind of its own. Artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. And I have the pleasure to talk with my co-host, Tyler Cohenwood from Washington. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Mirko. I'm, I am very, very excited about this topic. Um, we have a really exciting guest. We have Pamela Gupta. She is a cybersecurity and AI risk leader, co-chair at NIST. So we have a lot to cover here, and we're really excited to have you here. So welcome to the show, Pamela. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, great. So Pamela, we want to talk about cybersecurity, security in AI. And I think there are a lot of topics we can cover there. But first of all, I would like to interest in uh, what is your major interesting thing if we talk about AI and security? Um, well, these are both really large and complex areas, as you know, right? Cybersecurity is a vast domain and so is AI. Luckily, we know a little bit more about cybersecurity at uh, different levels than artificial intelligence Say, uh, still seems to be a bit elusive in terms of really knowing by um, everyone who is either implementing it or designing it or consuming it as uh, we are to know what are the different areas that even make up artificial intelligence. And I think Uh, that's the biggest enemy of cybersecurity. So as these two domains come together, there are a lot of challenges. We have to kind of go in with our eyes open and be open to even opening our eyes. <laughs> would, would you say that, that a really good place to kind of start is really defining what is AI and what isn't it? What can it do? What can it do? Because I, I think that there's, That, that that we often look at AI as as the end all be all, and someday it may be, but I'm not sure it's there yet. But it does some things very well. Yeah, I, so. I totally agree with you, uh, Tyler, because we want to be aware of very clear on what we can and cannot do with AI, and also what we don't want from AI. So just very quickly, I'll give you my perspective because um, that is really important to have a common uh, you know, founding base for the discussion. The way I see AI is it's, it, it has a lot of strengths for addressing things that we cannot do holistically on our own as human beings, just because with the amount of data we are generating today, And the amount of affinity, I would say, for data we have, as any business leader will tell you, let's just keep it all because you never know when it's going to be useful. This is, a, again, a antithesis of what security would and privacy um, challenges 
are should not be really. We we don't want so much data that we don't know how to differentiate sensitive from non-sensitive data. And if you have so much data, as in a tsunami of data, where are you going to apply the controls, effective controls? So what is AI good at is also going to be our downfall in using it if we don't deploy it properly. What, what we can do is, since we have such a large plethora of data coming from Internet of Things, for example, uh, smartphones, for all these things that are making AI possible even today, is the fact that we are never, as human beings, we cannot consume so much data and make sense out of it. So that's one aspect of the value of what is the promise of AI. How can we take these um, data points and make good sense out of it? So a perfect example I uh, would like to tell you about is if you go to a doctor, for example, today, a general physician, your internist, where you have to go for insurance purposes, right? You need a referral from an uh, internist or from a general physician to a specialist. So when you go to a general physician today, they, uh, would, they are your first stop, right? And if you have an issue that the first thing they will do is they'll hand you off to a specialist. So you go from a generalist to a specialist. Uh, let's say it's an arm issue, right? You go from a completely wide picture to is one aspect of the body. And if it's not looked at holistically, though, that issue in the arm could very well be coming from the neck or the foot or any part, other part of the body. But a specialist will typically be focusing on one area. And the general physician does not have all the information uh, or the expertise to even put all these two things together. At the end of the day, what does it mean for the person who is going in for a um, diagnosis? You're going to come away with a partial diagnosis as opposed to what could have been a whole picture. And that's where I find the uh, biggest utility for something like an AI tool. You have all these data points. How, do, how can you make a connection? How can you make detect a pattern that will not be even um, perhaps be detectable for a human being? to come up with a very um, sensible kind of a, a correlation, then, then you put it in the hands of the physician who said, okay, yes, this is what, uh, these are the different things that can be coming. For example, it may be a carpal syndrome, for instance, or it could be something in your, um, whatever it may be. I won't uh, even try to play a doctor, but uh, the point is that you can get a much better, better picture of the data points with artificial intelligence if it is encoded properly. So yeah. I'd like to start with that. Yeah, but it's uh, it's already a fascinating topic because if we talk about medical uh, oh, yes. applications of AI, this is immediately tied to safety and security and health of patients. So if I look from a cybersecurity perspective, of course, um, it's a question, uh, how good is AI or um, how good are the results? And I see several problems there. Well, one problem is, of course, what's about the data points? Like, can we trust the data points which are trained, for example, for machine learning? So the results are really, really the one we're expecting. That's number one. And second, uh, 
we need to trust the results. So, and it's so it's not so easy to get trust into the systems because I don't know exactly how the decision from a machine learning system was made. What what was the base of the decision? So, uh, how can we get this trust into this um, systems? Yeah, that's um, that's the I think the essence of security today, right? So yeah. for twenty five years, that's that was what I was doing, right? Working with corporate in corporate America, laying out strategic and risk based programs for what are the risks we can we want to build out against, whether it's development of uh, systems or processes, etc. And when it comes to security for AI, one thing I am really going to be very emphatic about is that secure SDLC as it exists in the conventional system development is not the same as security for AI. And why? Why is that? Because these systems are so complex that just integrating security is not enough to ensure the outcomes we um, are looking for. In other words, the trust of us, these systems is not dependent on just, do you have a code review done or do you have a secure uh, ML ops, for example, right? Machine learning operations or machine or secure development or uh, DevSecOps as has become the uh, buzzword. What we need instead to really make sure that we are trusting the outcomes from these machines. Um, I took a stab at that, right? Based on what I've been doing for 25 years, that what we need from these systems is um, this framework I developed. It's called TIPS. <laughs> Stands for Transparency, okay. Integrity, Privacy, and Security. Okay. And why, when I'm talking about integrity, I don't mean integrity of data as is the typical CIA triad, as you may know, of cybersecurity. Let me start with what is the CIA triad. There is confidentiality, integrity, and availability. So that is the, uh, the triad that security, cybersecurity sits on, okay? Data is confidential. Data is accessed only by people who should have access to it, for example. It's, it has integrity. It has not been tampered with, for example, as well as availability. So making sure that things that are very, very critical or business important, whatever the purpose might be, they are available. Now, when you go to the TIPS model, which is the, the model I'm suggesting, what I'm talking about here is transparency as in explainability. We want to know why are these systems coming to a conclusion that they are coming to? Uh, and by integrity, I'm talking about the integrity of the algorithm. Right. Oh, okay. So not necessarily the integrity of the data that the algorithm's parsing, but the integrity of the algorithm. That's right. Okay. So integrity of the algorithm, because machine learning systems are have two components to it. Um, and typically in machine learning, I'm talking about for AI right now. They have the, think of the algorithm as the equation, okay? And the okay. data is what it's working off of. So this then includes then the integrity of the equation and as well as of the data. So the algorithm 
is not going to produce what it's supposed to produce unless there is integrity of the the um, foundational um, vision of what you're trying to achieve, which is the algorithm and the equation and what it's acting on, which is the data. So privacy then, so transparency, integrity, privacy, and security. Privacy and security, as I see it, are now very, very critical components of for the essential cyber, um, the pillars of cybersecurity. So let me just step back to um, reiterate and kind of give a, a high level of what this uh, I'm talking about. When you talk about having security built into a system and you say you have secure SDLC or secure development lifecycle, you're talking about you're developing these uh, systems securely as in a credit uh, card processing app, for example. But now when you introduce AI into it or machine learning and you're um, putting in not just what the input is, but also what the output is, right? That is what makes it machine learning system. Then you have a different problem at hand. There are so many different things that uh, differentiate uh, AI ML from secure development in a conventional app. But the in order to get trust then, you have to take a look at all those differences, which I don't have time to go into right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> but those, those are the different uh, areas that will play a part in how to make these trusted. And that's the other aspect of, um, Marco, what you had mentioned. How do you trust these systems, right? What is the component? I mean, what, what I like on your approach, like if, if I look what has gone terrible wrong with machine learning and AI in the past, it was a lot of that the engineering setting maybe was already wrong. So what I like is when you said, well, what is the integrity of the algorithm? It means like that the engineers, for example, have put in a bias uh, based on up on the technology they have chosen, like the architecture they are choosing and the data sets they have chosen. And then we are getting this completely uh, strange and even like dangerous results of AI, for example, on facial recognition, that there is really like black faces are selected for crime issues and stuff like that. So which is obviously showing us that there was a baseline problem in the engineering process. And uh, that's what I really like. If, if you know what is the baseline of the engineering, is it properly done, then you can trust or you get a better feeling of how to trust the systems. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, there, there are issues and especially in the facial recognition software, um, where, you know, different races, it, it doesn't work as well. And I think that's something that's, that's you know, slowly getting ironed out. But I, I really liked what you said. I love that you put this to health um, in, in healthcare because I really think that that's one of the verticals that needs AI machine learning the most because of what you had talked about in the beginning of the segment, processing of all of that information, you know, reviewing all those records, putting them in a chronology, doing all that work. No human can do that. They just, they don't have the time to do that for every single patient, especially when you have like hundreds of pages of records. So using AI to parse through that and comb through that and 
you know, make it um, <clears throat> help the doctors, not replace the doctors. I, I, I really think that that's, that's, that's going to be something that, um, that is going to help a, a lot of people. And I also read that at some point, I forgot the year, um, not using AI in healthcare could be considered malpractice. Have you heard anything about that or or you want to discuss that? Um, I can tell you what I have not heard of. Uh, I would say I'm not aligned with that theory, you know, with that just because. Here's my take on it, right? I think there is a severe lack of uh, skill set, right? We are, if you take a look at something like even uh, radiology, for example, takes years and years for them to train to read the results of a lab report. And it, it's a very, um, it's not an easy skill to acquire, nor is it very um, widespread, right? We have a severe uh, shortage. Now, I can see how that can come true, Tyler, because if you are taking um, people who are not that well-trained to do or perform a task that requires that kind of skill, then I can see how that can be a um, problem and they could be uh, sued or whatever the, uh, the premise is that for that statement, right? But I can't see uh, how we can solve on the brighter side. I think what I'm seeing is if we do this right, we really can have the best outcomes for humanity and for businesses. There really isn't any part of any industry which is not really trying to get the most value out of AI and which I think takes us to that next point that A, let's build these things right. Let's know what we are building, right? That's what I was talking about. Like, let's be prepared to open our eyes. Let's look at the value we can get and who can get the value. It can really be a um, very, de- um, what is the word, democratization, um, <laughs> I um, premise, right, for we can get, achieve the best outcomes and not at the expense of another, right? Not at the, uh, in a democratic world, we can still do this, right? We don't have to think of uh, putting in the right controls as in cybersecurity controls, privacy controls, as a inhibition of innovation, which is some of the, constraints you'll hear about, right? When you talk about why are we not doing these things? Why are we not putting in the right controls in the first place? Oh, we don't want to inhibit innovation, but I think we don't have an option the way I see it. That's one thing. And the other is that singularity, right? Principle where you don't know AI from a uh, non-AI, like a human from an AI. What does that mean? And how do we get there that we don't... um, put in the wrong principles and kind of undermine or completely subvert what we're trying to do, right? So I think it's really important when we're talking about oh, doomsday scenarios that we can, we are, I don't know, I'm not a soothsayer. I don't know how long it will take us to get there, but we can build in the right principles. You know, I, hey, I'm a big fan of uh, Asimov principles of, I robot, you know, if somebody's read that like eons ago, <laughs> you know, thou shalt that's, that's not actually exactly it. what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, um, 
And actually, I mentioned this on my LinkedIn post the other day after the conclusion of um, NIAC's AI21. That's a conference I host, and it's just, just concerned, uh, completely focused on governance and risk and cybersecurity risk, as well as um, privacy and ethical risk. So how do we do these, uh, uh, you know, how do we talk the talk and walk the walk? How do we make this happen? Because it's not common sense and it's not common knowledge and it's not being, uh, uh, there's no standard right now. So we are building things, um, you know, it, it, I, the way the analogy I gave to a friend of mine today is we are serving dinner and we are trying to um, change the recipe, you know, you, you really can't do that. You know, we are actually building these systems. We are on the highway and we are saying, no, now you have to go back and put in a, uh, a seatbelt. Well, th- that seatbelt we should have put in before we, you know, started to even get on the uh, autobahn, you know, and, and went at um, the speed that we want to go to, you know. These are not things that we can mess around with. So I do want to talk about algorithmic failure that we already seeing happen out there. And I'm going to be talking about in that uh, um, LinkedIn Live series I'm starting that I would love to collaborate with you on like like pamela like when i think about ai okay we are real to me we are still on the early stage so I, like we need still learn a lot about how to build the systems in a way as you said like that there's integrity in there there is um quality in that there's trust in there like we have to build the entire ecosystem around um to to make that um on the other side, I see like from, let's say, the evil attacker perspective, if I know that there are super AI systems now built for autonomous driving, medical, and so on, and I'm the super evil guy who want to hurt uh, economy or a nation state, and I know they are using AI systems, of course, I would like to try to compromise the integrity of the AI system by two two ways, maybe attacking the model itself, like, can I change the model? Or can I compromise the data so that I can turn the data, the, the system into a, a wrong decision? I mean, it's obviously, it's so obvious that these things will happen. And then to me, the question is, uh, how can we recognize that? Number one, can, can we recognize that a system is compromised uh, that the decisions are turning completely wrong now or slightly wrong. Um, so this is number one. And second, how can we protect from that? Sure. So one of the areas that, you know, cybersecurity has um, perfected, I would say, is threat modeling, right? And if you talk about um, what can be done to, sub, uh, you know, change the outcome or where all can this go wrong, uh, I would talk about threat modeling of AI ML systems, which has which has four kind four areas, right? These are threat modeling for evasion attacks or poisoning of data attacks or poisoning of even the um, the model uh, extraction and inference. These are the four I would talk about. Let me give you an example of a data poisoning attack, right? This is something that we have uh, seen quite a lot of, where a lot of examples of, I should say, where uh, you take a picture of a dog 
And because it's represented in um, bits, right? There's a the if a perpetrator changes even a small number of those bits, for example, to the human eye, it still looks like a dog, but right. the machine is going to read it as I don't know, a snake or whatever, yeah. right? Depending right. So on the else. intention. So that is an example of a data poisoning attack. Now, how are we going to? So that let me just first give you some examples of the attacks, and then let me give you one example yeah. of how can we I ask can... a quick a quick question. Um, yeah. I would assume that it's easier to attack the data than the algorithm. Is that correct? Well, yes. I mean, it depends, right? It depends on what your motivation is. If you don't have access to the training environment, then as a perpetrator, and depending on my motivation, if I'm a state uh, actor. Right, and I, I probably wouldn't have access to your data too. Then, but if I don't have the such deep pockets, right, and I don't have access, and I'm me being the perpetrator, um, then what is there is what you have rolled out into production. What is there for consumption by the you know your product? So then the only um, method to um, attack that would be model stealing, for example. So seeing how you are doing what you're doing and figuring out this is what the algorithm is doing, gotcha. right? Yeah. And then that's why uh, that's an example of, you know, is it a runtime error or a runtime compromise or a um, build time compromise? Then there are also problems that you can see adversarial um, attacks in the physical domain. Like um, the self-driving car examples that, you know, Marco, you talked about autonomous yep. driving, you know, there are high impact areas where uh, AI is being deployed, right? Again, the risk that I see is, do we know enough to know everything about, it's a complex area. The attacks can come in from at the data level, at the, you know, what I was talking about, the model uh, stealing level, figuring out how you're doing, what the algorithm is doing, and then trying to recreate it with a, a different model so that you have different results and you would not be the wiser. Or um, you can basically take a look at, um, we know how the algorithm performed, let's say an autonomous car, and it's been trained on uh, um, data of a certain type, right? You have a certain, like a stop sign, for example, that's the most, most famous example you may have heard of. Um, the car can be tricked to run a stop sign because of a certain color of light, like you shine a light on the stop sign so it doesn't look like a stop sign anymore to the uh, machine or to the all these cameras and the actuators yeah. that are coming, providing yeah. data to the uh, machine learning for autonomous driving. So though that is a runtime, I mean, at, at the implementation, it's already out there. We know how it behaves. So now how can we trick it? So there are so many different uh, <clears throat> variables, a lot more than in a conventional system. I, had, I haven't even gone through all of them, right? There's your machine um, ML supply chain, right? Yep. That is a big part of it. Right, you attack the framework. You know it's being developed using um, the. I won't go into any particular ones, just to not um, uh, you know highlight any problems in a particular framework. But if you know who your competitor is 
or who you're trying to attack and what they're using to develop, then yes, you would go for the uh, watering hole kind of attacks, which is a typical uh, cybersecurity attack, right? And neural net, I heard you talk about neural net uh, earlier when I joined the call. Yes, neural net reprogramming, that's a abuse uh, account takedown scenario. So where you can give send up special query and the machine learning system is uh, re- repurposed. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, wow. That um it's very interesting stuff. Yeah. So I have a lot a lot more um yeah, there's a lot more interesting AI things that we can talk about cuz I mean it is, you know, I I'm I today um I <laughs> I I was communicating with chatbots all day. And <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, they were really helpful, and I know that there's an AI. There was an AI component. I was probably not talking to a human, but they immediately I got the answers I needed. No, I didn't exactly follow the instructions step by step, so it took me longer than it should have. But they were really helpful. That's amazing. It's to me, chatbots. I, I know. No, it's amazing. Chatbots and me. It's a history of misunderstanding usually. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 should be the the name of a book. <laughs> I no, like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pamela, I, I think we we I have the feeling we can talk endless about that. But it was, I think, a very you, you give us a very brief and good overview on what is the current state of security concerns and maybe what are the elements of risk mitigation you can take, and as well. I have now an impression that this is still a journey and uh, there's a lot of things uh, we might have to learn as well uh, when we deal with AI. So, and by that, thank you very much for joining. Yes, absolutely. I would just say one thing that there are things that we have learned in uh, traditional cybersecurity uh, where we can take that knowledge and apply it. And there are some areas that we are not going to have any, any precedence for. So we will need to be very, very uh, proactive and kind of identifying what that threat model, what anticipating what those risks might be, what those threats might be. Just one thing I'll leave you on is, it's not just about the machine learning, you know, adversarial networks when it comes to cybersecurity though, It, the traditional good hygiene and good sense of managing cybersecurity holistically in a company um, that, or, or I mean, any organization, that has to be really taken into account as, as, if, um, as if you were to say, right, to know what is happening in the company, what projects are happening that are leveraging machine learning, and then making sure that it's a, um, a risk-based conversation there. So in the past, we were working with developers. Now we're working with data scientists. Yeah. But both cases, they're looking to produce something for a business function, right? Whatever that might be. Talked about facial recognition. Um, this is, a, I think, an area that we have to have another conversation on. It's a big area yeah. that needs to really bake in the security and privacy at a fundamental level. And I am, um, I've seen multiple instances, including law enforcement agencies using um, 
not fully vetted out systems and uh, taking action such as arrest, making arrests based on that. So these are things that we have to really be very, very careful about. But I do want to end on a positive note. There are things such as um, defense mechanism, whether it's for your traditional cybersecurity attacks. I mentioned about, you know, data poisoning, for example. You can do data pre-processing for deep neural networks, uh, which are how you, how do you um, basically bake in the some controls right at the beginning, such as compression, which can actually um, maybe even help reduce the surface of an attack vector, okay? So there are ways of um, really knowing what your application is, what is the purpose, and where the what is the most important thing in your application. If it's a chatbot, then it's gonna be one different um, security control and a different governance control, risk control. But if it's a image for radiology uh, specialists, it's gonna be a different control. So again, we are, um, we are at a crossroads of, you know, using these systems for maximum advantage. We can do it, but we have to. We just have no choice, but we have to build in the trust right from the right from the get-go. So thank you for, for having me. And uh, I appreciate thank it. You. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for ending on a positive note too, because yes, there are issues, but I really believe that, AI and, and ML are really going to help us. And I, I'm, I'm positive about it. So, so thank you for that. Yes, awesome. And if you are interested in what Pamela is doing, we will link you in the show notes so everybody can have a look on your work uh, and what you're doing. And by that, uh, if you like the show, give us a rating, give us a comment. And thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Follow us at hackwork.io 